Hello there and welcome into another edition of the Intersection Podcast with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Up first, from Focus on the Family, it's Greg Smalley, who provides wise words that married couples can apply in order to contribute to longevity in their marriages and prevent divorce. Plus, Cassandra Spear has experience in the field of beauty as a profession. Her Christian faith has influenced her to comment on true beauty and value in the Lord through the ministry of her true worth. Comments from her are ahead. And on this edition of The Intersection, you will hear encouraging comments from General Jerry Boykin, who is in leadership at Family Research Council. And in the book he has co-written, there are instances of inspiring people who have stepped out courageously to make an impact for the Lord. Finally, Bob Hassan has a long track record in the corporate sector as well as ministry and provides insight into how a person can fulfill his or her passion either on or off the job. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Greg Smalley is Vice President of Marriage for Focus on the Family. And although it is a reality that couples do face the risk of their marriage ending, he provides Christ-centered insight that can be helpful for couples who desire for their marriage to last. Here now from a recent Meeting House conversation is Greg Smalley. You know, I think back to my own marriage. My wife Erin and I have been married for 30 years in you know, we really had a first, uh, the first couple of years were really, really difficult for us. And I think we just, we had a really hard time with all the changes. And when when all these changes happen, we often experience conflict. And Aaron and I, we just didn't deal with conflict well. And, and we both got to a place where we were super discouraged. Our hearts were really shut down. And yet, Bob... Honestly, there was never a moment that I thought, well, I, let's just cut bait. Let's just move on better now than, than later once we start having kids. And, and, and yet we were stuck, but, but sort of our decision to go, you know, divorce is just isn't part of our vocabulary means that we didn't want to stay miserable for the rest of our life. So we, we actually got help and, and dealt with those things, and it did take time. But but I'm so grateful that 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 Aaron and I both had that commitment. Um, and I'm not telling people, hey, if there's um, you know physical abuse that's going on. I mean, there's some things that I'm not saying. Oh, you just stay married. It doesn't matter if those things are happening. But I th- I think for for most people, they they deal with more of that normal marriage friction that just takes them to a hard place. And and for some, it's just easy to say, I just think we need to move on. It's sad. So I would say that's, you know, just that lack of commitment is is a big one. Um, like what happened to Aaron and I, just not knowing how to how to manage conflict in a way that, that felt good to both of us is another big risk factor. I think a lot of people grow apart over time and end up feeling like married roommates in as I get involved in work and in raising kids and hobbies and just life, it's easy to begin to drift, slowly drift apart to where one day we wake up and go, well, you know, I love you, I'm committed, but man, you feel like nothing more than, than a married roommate. And so I think those are some of the bigger reasons that, that really create um, some challenges within relationships. 
how could you address how couples can actually depend on God, not only in the the how of staying together, but also keeping really a focus on why couples should stay together biblically. Yeah, I I, I love that. You know, my wife and, and I stood up 30 years ago and made that that promise to each other to be with each other for for life, and that that we entered into that covenant between us and the Lord, and that's a big deal, and we take that very serious, and in. We we know that the closer that that we get as individuals to the Lord, you know that that classic kind of triangle view of marriage to where God's at the top of that triangle. The closer that Aaron and I as individuals get to the Lord, the closer we get to each other. And so as we depend upon God as our source and our fulfillment, Aaron's not the source of my fulfillment in life. I love my wife. I don't need my wife. I need God. I want my wife. I want to be married with with her for 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 my life and 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 yet i I need God, and the more i I depend on him and get close to him, the closer that that Aaron and I are to each other, and we want to honor that commitment that we made before the Lord, and that means not just staying together but that means to to honor hebrews thirteen four says that marriage should be honored by all, and we want to honor this marriage that God has given us and by keeping it strong in, in investing and in doing the things, growing together, growing as individuals. And I think as we do that, then we truly are honoring the, the promise that we made before the Lord. Greg Smalley here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to focusonthefamily.com front slash marriage. Next, it's the vice president of the ministry, Her True Worth, Cassandra Spear, co-author of the book entitled Her True Worth, Breaking Free from a Culture of Selfies, Side Hustles, and People-Pleasing to Embrace Your True Identity in Christ. In a recent Meeting House conversation, she discussed ideas and principles related to a woman's identity in Christ. Here now from that conversation is Cassandra Spear. Brittany was a makeup artist and a fitness trainer. And I was a color specialist. I was a hairstylist for over a decade. And we both, although we did different jobs in the beauty industry, we both became very disheartened when we realized that we were really seeing in both of our professional environments, women that were trying to earn their worth and their value and really placing their identities on a lot of external things when it's really an internal issue um, of finding their worth and their value in Christ. And so Brittany and I both just became really disheartened by that because although feeling good is a good thing and looking good is a good thing, it's not inherently evil, but it is when we have the motives of our heart that allow us to be convinced that our worth and value are based on external measures, we're always going to come up short. And so for Britt and I, we just realized that this was a really serious heart issue. And we wanted to be able to point women to their immovable worth and identity in Christ. So how is it that God brought the two of you together? So (laughs) fun fact, Brittany and I (laughs) met on Instagram. And actually, Brittany met her husband and the father of her child on Instagram as well. Um, the social media streets are loud and 
kind of crazy, but it's been really a huge blessing in both Brittany and I's life. Uh, the wild thing is I was only writing publicly for about a year. I just started my blog, and I think I was going to a writer's conference to learn how to write a book proposal the week that Brittany saw one of my posts. And at the time, I was writing to less than maybe 900 people, and it was just the wildest thing. It was like God just plucked me out of obscurity and really honed in on my words, and Brittany reached out to me, and she asked me to write for her true words, and that's how everything started. So share with me what you see as maybe some of the guiding principles that you want to get across to women as you interact with them, as, as well as through the book, Her True Worth. Absolutely. So the biggest thing when talking about pointing women to their worth and their value in Christ is to acknowledge the fact that we know ourselves well, and we know that our best and worst moments, sometimes we feel like those things define us. But the truth is, even when we strive in our own strength, our best is filthy rags compared to God's glory. And that's Isaiah 64, 6. And although that's true, we know that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. And my favorite part of that scripture in Romans 5, 8 is while we were still sinners. And the thing about that that we really touch a lot in our community about is that there's a lot of places people, places, things that we can find our value and our worth and our identity in. But these are all measures of external value. And when we find our worth and value in Christ, that is of eternal. And so we talk a lot from Ephesians 2.10, I am God's masterpiece. I'm made in his image, Genesis 1.27. I'm forgiven, 1 John 1.9. We are redeemed and we walk people, we need to walk in life as people who know our worth and value in him, that although we are sinners, that we are redeemed and that through Christ we are made new and that our worth and our value in him cannot be revoked and it cannot be earned. It's freely given. And so that's what we talk a lot. That's a lot of the scripture that we walk through is that we're a new creation. The old is gone, Second Corinthians five seventeen, and we are greatly loved by God. Obviously, this is a a book and a community oriented toward women, but all of us, it's so important that we recognize who God has made us to be and how the presence of Christ really transforms us. What do you see as perhaps a principle or some of the principal differences that really grasping that concept can make? Well, first and foremost, it's the fact that nothing else has the power to define you. Because a lot of times, especially in my own personal life, I have allowed things that have happened to me or been spoken over me to have the final say. And through writing this book and through serving our community, we've been able to remind women that often what God is trying to produce through us is what he wants to accomplish within us. And so if we're wanting to point women to our worth, we have to be able to feel and know the truth of our worth in him. Cassandra Spear here on The Intersection. You can learn more at hertrueworthbook.com. Well, this is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the faithradio.org website. In the programming section, there is a link to the Meeting House homepage. When you arrive at that homepage, you will find a link to the Media Center. That's the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast and the Meeting House program. 
You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as to the Apple Podcast feed. Video content is also accessible. There's a link to the Faith Radio YouTube channel through the homepage. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three, with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room, with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. Plus, you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from The Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app, and a variety of podcast platforms. Search for Faith Radio Podcast when you visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and other podcast platforms. Well, I had the chance recently to talk with Lieutenant General Retired Jerry Boykin, Executive Vice President of the Family Research Council. In our conversation, he discussed a book he co-authored with two colleagues from FRC entitled Heroic Faith, Hope Amid Global Persecution, highlighting stories of people who are being persecuted for their faith, but who are showing great bravery in the face of that opposition. Here now from that conversation is General Jerry Boykin. You know, as Americans, it is, uh, it's easy for us to uh, look inward uh, at, at our own problems and difficulties and and uh, and not to really even try to understand what's happening in the rest of the world. You know, Christianity knows no boundaries. It knows no borders. And uh, Christians in uh, in Afghanistan are exactly the same as Christians in in America. In terms of, uh, we all uh, have made Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives. The same Jesus exists there that exists here. And uh, what we wanted to do was we wanted to highlight for people, for Christians especially, but for people uh, all over the United States, uh, the plight of Christians as well as other uh, religions. We didn't focus only on Christians, but uh, it was the primary focus. And we wanted them to understand just uh, what is happening to Christians in other parts of the world and uh, when you look at it in the context of uh, global persecution, you, you you suddenly realize, you know, America is headed in the same direction just based on a lot of the stuff that we saw uh, during the COVID crisis and we're still seeing now. So uh, that was our purpose, and uh, we, we hope that we achieved that. We hear so much with respect to the nation of China, and we recognize the— the surveillance of people of faith within China, the hostility that is shown, the government intrusion into the lives of believers. And and like you say, you have Christians that are being persecuted in China. We think about the images of churches being destroyed and so many Christians that are worshiping underground. We think about groups such as the Uyghurs in China as well, and others that do not hold to the state religion that's obviously one of the countries where there is a great threat to religious freedom. Tell me about how you dealt with China in the book, Heroic Faith. We didn't hold back on anything with regards to China. And, uh, you know, China is officially, because the Communist Party in China is atheist, then the nation is atheist. Officially, they are atheist. Now, keep in, in mind that, you know, they've had uh, a number of religions 
in uh, in China for quite some time. You know, for for hundreds of years, if not a thousand. Uh, that said, there was a period where China relaxed some of the restrictions on Christianity, and uh, and there could be a open worship by the uh, Christians, but they they shut that down, especially after Mao Zedong died. That began to uh, to see some encroachments on it, uh, like what they had had before. They opened it up for Christians to to worship, and and now what you see is if you're not a registered church, if you're not a a church that the government has approved for you to be able to worship, uh, you're going to ultimately uh, take a risk of either being jailed, uh, falsely accused, imprisoned, uh, or or worse. And, uh, And China does have a record of having beaten and even killed Christians just because they were Christians and they would refuse to buckle under the pressure of the Chinese Communist Party. What do you believe that people can learn, Christians in America can learn from this book and the stories that are contained within it? Yeah, you can learn that, uh, that, that uh, the Bible calls you to stand courageously in the face of persecution. Luke 21, verses 12 and 13 tell us that before all the things we know are uh, wars and rumors of wars and all that, before that, it says they, they're going to persecute you. They're going to take you before kings and rulers and, and persecute all on account of my name. So that persecution is biblical. We need to understand that persecution, and we're seeing it in America. And you need to understand that what it ultimately says in verse 13 is, but it will be an opportunity for you to be witnesses for me. And that is really what I think we need to stay focused on. We don't need to be afraid. We just need to stand boldly and, and proclaim that, uh, that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives and that he can be your Lord if you will just surrender to him. General Jerry Boykin here on The Intersection. The Family Research Council website is frc.org. Well, finally, on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's Bob Hassan. He is the author of a book that is entitled Shortcuts, The Proven Path to Purpose, Excellence, and Calling. In fact, on the cover of the book, the word shortcuts has a line through it. So you could say the title is No Shortcuts. Well, nevertheless, in our recent conversation, he discussed the importance of finding one's calling centered in Christ, and that is or is not related to occupation. Here now with some insight is Bob Hassan. What I've found in my research is that is that people are looking for a shortcut, a life hack, a cheat code mm. in order to try to, to try to further themselves without entering into this process of the journey of life and understanding how to make mistakes and and recover from them and get back up and and move forward. All the things that I've learned in my life have come from the mistakes that I've made, and there's been lots of them. So, um, you know, shortcuts is, it does have a line through the title, so the implication <laughs> is there's no in the first chapter, I have a quote uh, by Michael Jordan, and he says this, if you do the work, you get rewarded. There's no shortcuts in life. And 
so the premise is, is that, hey, listen, we're all in for a long journey. Um, there really aren't shortcuts. And here's, here's a book to show you the ways to get through uh, all these things that, are, that life's going to throw at you. Well, that's such a great premise for us because we do live in an instant society. We've been conditioned to actually seeing things happen relatively quickly in our lives. And as you say, and I I believe this, there are no shortcuts. Now, sometimes God will show us a particular path, and it will be maybe a shorter path because we're trusting in his wisdom than what we might expect. But nevertheless, it's important to to do the work. So as you say, the, the cover of the book has the word shortcuts, but it's got the line through it. So I guess that if I were to be absolutely <laughs> correct about the title, it would be <laughs> no shortcuts. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, I had some pretty tricky publicists who, who uh, worked on the title and that's, that's how it list, it's listed. And I do get that question um, when I, when I talk about the book, but let, let, let's talk about this for a second. In God's economy, uh, in Genesis 2, verse 7, God breathes life into Adam. Then the very next thing he says to him in verse 15 is, go tend to the garden, Mm. or in our language, go to work. That's the first thing he says, before Eve, before the fall. And, And then if you fast forward into John, Jesus says, my father and I are always working. And, and so, uh, being a wise worker in God's kingdom is is part of his plan. And it was the actually the first thing he ever said to man was, you know, go to work. So so I think that there's a lot of misnomers in the Christian community about, you know, what work is. Uh, I hear lots of things like it's caused by the fall, that the work is which toil. And and it actually it actually isn't. It's actually part of part of God's economy. And what I'm hoping is when people read shortcuts they'll see that this is part of god's plan and they're actually really blessed to be able to go to work and be able to provide for themselves and their families Mm, that is so good and that makes the timing of this book very very relevant you might say it's even a god thing but when you you think about there there does seem to be and you i believe you mentioned the word dissatisfaction there there does seem to be out there people are not have been up you know, there's been an upheaval. They've been upended. They're, they have not been satisfied in their previous jobs. And now that you have all of this chaos that's going on in the workforce, people are really trying to, to find something solid, it seems like. And and things are, are very unstable, it seems like, these days. It seems like. And we've come through, obviously, we you and I live through this age, but we've it seems like in the past four or five years, we've seen a growing division within the country, politically, racially, uh, you know, within the healthcare industry also. And, and we have to get back to listening to each other, understanding what a person's talking about, not trying to win because we're on one side or the other side, but, but deciding, look, relationships are matter, matter. And I'm going to put my relationships above these issues that have divided us and sometimes broken families apart, whether you have a vaccination or you don't, whether you vote one way or you don't, whether you uh, are are active enough on the racial front or you're not. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's been this big division that I think 
you know, we need to get back to relationships. Bob Hassan here on The Intersection. You can find him online at bobhasson.com. Well, it is about time to wrap up this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Again, you can go to meetinghouseonline.info or the programming section at faithradio.org. Through The Meeting House homepage, you can find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as the Apple Podcast feed. There are links to video content also, including a link to the Faith Radio YouTube channel. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.